there's different. There's uh, a difference between first service and second service. You in the second service never have to deal with me being late. <laughs> those, yeah, those in the, you never have to deal with a lot of the technical difficulties. Although I think you have, uh, from time to time. My concern for you this morning is that maybe, just maybe, I won't have the same passion that I had in the first service this morning. Um, I kind of feel spent, and so I appreciate your prayer for me, but I'll be honest with you, after singing a song like that, it is humbling to know how God works in and through different people. I'm amazed that Aaron was able to craft that song, words and, and music, and, and uh, just, just humbling. I'd ask you to consider the fact that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are gifted. In some fashion, you're gifted, and you can bring glory to God through the, that gifting that he has given to you. He has graced to you. And as we may not sing it corporately, we may not be able to be humbled by the words, but you can exercise that gift to his glory and make, make God happy as you serve and love him. Uh, very pleased with that song. There is a morning. Unfortunately for me, I shouldn't say unfortunately. It's just for me, it wasn't. It was a, an afternoon or an evening. I sat in the dorm room of my college and I came to faith in Jesus Christ while I was all alone. But maybe it was the morning when you came to faith in Christ. Maybe you came to faith in Christ as a result of the preaching of God's Word in a, in a service such as this. Maybe it was when you went to your mother or father and said, I, I'd like to know a little bit more about Jesus. I don't understand this salvation thing, or I think I, I am understanding it, and I think I'd like to get saved. I was blessed the other day in life group, uh, walking into life group and selling. Oh, I'm emotional, so that's a good thing. Uh, settling into life group, sit down, and this little six-year-old girl starts talking to me about Jesus and what she learned about him. And I could have sat there all night. I remember my own children coming to faith. Yesterday, Christine and I talked about her testimony when she came to faith on the eve of Easter at a camp meeting. When we were singing this song, There is a Morning, I, all those memories are flooding back to me. And I'm, I'm asking you this morning, do you recall the time when you came to faith in Jesus Christ? Whether it be morning, afternoon, evening, middle of the night, the grace of God poured forth toward you in a way that you responded. And now let me turn it around just a little bit. Maybe you're here this morning and no, you don't remember that morning. There hasn't been a morning, afternoon, evening, or in the middle of the night where you have felt the call of God in your heart to, to, to repent of your sin and to call out, Jesus, save me. When we come here in the morning and we sing and we say, He is risen, He is risen indeed, it's like, well, that's interesting. When we say, glory, 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 as the song did earlier, it's like, well, that's, that's, that's nice, you know? When we sing, when we say, 
I, I tremble, tremble, tremble at the idea of Jesus' crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and his coming again. Does, does that news cause some, something inside of you? And the answer is no. Then please understand, Jesus Christ came and he loves you. And he's calling you to himself today. I trust he is. If you've never come to faith in Jesus Christ, please just replay this video later and sing these songs and study the words. As, as, as we get into his word, I want you to understand so much of what we're going to talk about today is true of believers and believers only. But you are not on the outside who can't get in. We invite you in. We invite you to receive the grace of Jesus Christ. We invite you to, to acknowledge your sin before a holy God and, and receive his forgiveness by recognizing that he sent his son into this world to die for your sins and for mine. And if you will acknowledge that and believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world, then you too can call out and you will be able to sing to the glory of God. As we continue in our series, we've had two, two uh, sermons in this series, The Glory of God. We've, we've talked about it's the foundation of all we do. We've talked about the glory of God in, in, the, in the cross. Uh, today we're going to focus on Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. And, and what I wanted to do is uh, so often as we come together, we're remembering the past and we will remember the past. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is in the past. And we're going to re re recall that. But I really wanted to fast forward quite a bit to a particular time in, in every believer's future. And so it's an extended uh, passage of Scripture. But if you'll look with me as we talk about the glory of God, we're going to take a look at a glimpse of the future and from Revelation 20 through 22. Uh, there are some portions I skip, but you'll see it as we, as we go through. Um, just trying to... to uh, get a, get a, get a, have an understanding or, or have us enter into this future that is, that is true for each of us. John in his revelation writes, Then I saw a great white throne and him sat, who sat on it, from whose face and earth the heavens fled away, and there was, no, there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband." And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. 
And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of water of uh, I will I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable murderers, sexually immortal, immoral. Uh, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain, And showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. But I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of nations into it. But there shall be no, by no means enter in anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations." And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb of God shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Then he said to me these words, are faithful and true. This glimpse of the future is only going to be experienced by those who have come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And as you sit here this morning, as we gather together on Resurrection Sunday, we can say with enthusiasm and with confidence that we will see this day. Because it's not about what we've done It's not even about who we are. 
It's about who we are in Christ. And Christ is going to bring all those who have bowed the knee to Him. And we will see this glorious day. And it's told for us in God's Word, and it says these words are faithful and true. When we consider what we have in our possession, the Word of God, every word is faithful and true. And apart from God's Word, we can have no understanding of who Jesus is. We can have no understanding of what, how sin has kept us separate and keeps us separate from God. There is no understanding of the name of Jesus Christ. Without Scripture, we are men most miserable. We are women most miserable. We are children most miserable because there's no answer to the, 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 the curse of death without the Word of God. And so as we consider this morning that these words are faithful and true, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I ask you to rejoice. But as someone that may be a non-believer, someone who has not bowed the knee to Jesus, I ask you, would you please just pay attention And understand, this isn't a bunch of people coming together in a social gathering for the purpose of social endeavors. It is a family coming together where we celebrate our risen Savior week after week after week. And we invite you to not just be our friend, but to be part of the family if you'll come to faith in Jesus as well. As we consider uh, this idea of the glory of God and as we look to the future, I want us to understand that, as I said before, not everyone is going to experience that. There are things going on in this life, so I want to get a glimpse, uh, 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 if we can, from 2 Corinthians 4 about what's going on in the here and now. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So I'm going I'm to pause here for a minute and I'm going to reread this a little bit. But notice it's talking about this outward man that is perishing. You know, if I could ever get an amen, I would say, anybody have any body aches this morning? Amen, pastor. Right? Anybody losing their hair like me? Amen, pastor. My knee hurts. My feet hurt. I, I share this on a regular basis. I'm a mess. As an outward man perishing, 57 years old, right? 57. I hope I live to 87, but can you imagine the mess I'm going to be? Right? Isn't it good news, though? It says the inward man is being renewed day by day. This is the reality of what we have as Christians. Our bodies are failing and will ultimately perish. Aside from Jesus Christ returning, we will go through the veil of death. We will, we will pass from this physical life to a spiritual life. There are two resurrections, the resurrection unto life and the resurrection unto death. That's the first death. Excuse me, there's, excuse me, the first death is physical death. The second death is that death that will be for eternity. But here we have the outward man is perishing, but the inward man. This is the inward man, woman, and child in Christ that have come to a saving faith and we know who he is and what he's done on our behalf. We're renewed day by day. His mercies are new every morning. But notice what he, he, he flushes this out a little bit. He says, for our light affliction... He's talking about right now. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 
So we started the, the sermon by looking towards the, the ultimate future of our, of our time and eternity with God and seeing the revelation and the, all things consummated in Christ. And, and then we're, we're bringing it into the now and saying that we have this far, that, that what is going on, this light affliction, it is but for a moment. Now think about this for a moment. Uh, we have these folks, we call them brothers and sisters in Christ who are in Ukraine. And I would, I would say my life compared to their life, this is... My life is certainly a light affliction compared to what they're going through. But do you understand this text is saying that their affliction is light in, in contrast to eternity and the glory that awaits us. And that means, that's not us to say, oh, just, you know, I can't use some of the terminology I want to use from the pulpit. It's military stuff. It's not, it's not profane, but it's probably off color. It's the idea like, well, just get over it, uh, Ukrainians, right? You know, it's just light affliction. We're good. Let's go get coffee. No, they're going through a very hard time. But in, in contrast, it says it's for a moment because it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. There's this future glory that is true for all those who are in Christ. I, I love this Underlying phrase here, eternal weight of glory. If you remember the first sermon on glory, we talked about that. The word glory has the idea of weight, the weightiness of God, you know, in, in terms of the glory of God. It's the weightiness, the, the presence of God that when he, when he shows up in your life, you are called to respond. There is the, the only right response to experiencing the weightiness of God is, is to respond in worship. And here we see the weight of the weightiness there is this eternal presence, this eternal, this is, this is talking about the, the weight, this feeling of, wow, there's, there's something that is awesome that's going to be taking place, and it is, tall, it is called the glory of God. He says, it is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. This is the present, looking towards the future. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. There's the the visible and the invisible. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We are able, as believers in Jesus Christ, to walk through day by day in this life, understanding that the future is reserved for us. As Peter has said, it's, it's our, our, our inheritance is reserved. There's nothing's going to touch it. And that future glory, that future hope, is to be lived out day by day, here and now. So when we consider the, the future that's promised to us, when we consider the present that we must live through now, the glory of God awaits all those who come to faith in Jesus Christ. And here's a comforting truth. It is a future reality and a present comfort. And so as I share, share that with you this morning as believers, be comforted. Remember the words of Paul, right? We do not, when we look upon death, we are not those who grieve with no hope. We have that expectant, confident hope that all that Scripture tells us is, is, is true is true. But let's remember this comfort, this future reality, this present comfort is only for believers. It's not for unbelievers. So we're going we're gonna to walk through here and we're going to talk about the glory of God understood through the resurrection. 
And so I just picked out one particular story uh, that we're going to look at. And uh, uh, before we get there, though, I mean, I, on Friday, I talked about the perspectives of the cross. And I went through a bunch of different slides. We're not going to go through that many today. But I we're going to touch on on perspectives of the resurrection just for a minute to help us understand as, as we get into the words of the, uh, from the Gospel of Luke, uh, there, are, there are dynamics going on in that day and that age which are still pretty prevalent today. But So let's consider a few of the perspectives of the resurrection that existed back then. Consider the perspectives of both the religious and the irreligious or the non-religious of, Ju- of Jesus' day, right? They existed then, they exist now. But consider the words of the Sadducees, right? The same day the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection. They came to Jesus and asked him a question. And we're not going to get into the details of the question. We are told that there was this group of religious people called Sadducees. There, there, there was another group of people called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees believed in the resurrection. Paul called himself a Pharisee of the Pharisees in the sense of his believing in the resurrection. And we'll look at this a little bit more later. But he says the same day the Sadducees... These, they were the ruling elite of the Jewish uh, uh, community. Uh, they say there's no resurrection. That's one perspective, right? That's out there about the resurrection. Eh, it doesn't exist. It's not real. It's myth. It's fairy tale. But then, then you have another group. This is Paul speaking at Athens. He's in the, he's in this, uh, the Acropolis, and he's thinking, uh, Areopagus is the group of people he's with. Anyway, he's, he's with these people, and I may have got my terms mixed up, and I apologize. But he's speaking to all these people, and what do they do all day? They love to hear and talk about all things exciting and new. They would be the uh, Facebook-addicted people of today. And I know Facebook is probably old news for the younger crowd, so whatever it is, they're all interested in the, uh, in the here and the now and what's new, right? And Paul is speaking to them, and he says, and when they heard of the resurrection, Paul is witnessing I was walking through your town, and I saw this, this idol, to the unknown God, and the, to what you worship in ignorance, I declare to you that you don't know the God that I know, and I'm going to tell you about his son, Jesus Christ, who died and was resurrected. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. So there'll be those. One perspective is there's no such thing as re- uh, uh, a uh, resurrection. Some are just going to mock, saying, well, that's silly. You know, well, let's make fun of you. But then, thankfully, there's this group. Others said, we will hear you again on this matter. Consider these words for a minute and consider your own testimony of faith in Jesus Christ if you have one. Wasn't there a time where you had to wrestle with this truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? You have to enter into this realm, I believe, before you can come to faith in Jesus Christ. Others said, speaking of the resurrection, we'll hear you again on this matter. You know, it took me hearing the gospel at least three or four different times before I came to faith in Jesus Christ. There were people, and it was probably more than that, there were people who, who, who stepped out in faith and, and sought to share the gospel with me. They, they sought to share the reality of sin. They sought to, to explain to me that it was only through Jesus that you can have your sins forgiven, his death on that cross. They, they, and, and one day, as I'm alone in that college dorm room, uh, it, you know, it, it struck me. I am not right in God's eyes. I am a sinner. I would be Isaiah. I'm a man of unclean lips, surrounded by a world of people of unclean lips. 
And I came to faith right then and there. And so I think you have to enter into this, this idea of well, how does the resurrection impact me as an individual? And I, I would encourage you, ask that question. And then pray to God for the answer and engage in His Word. As you think about another episode in Paul's life, he's speaking to King Agrippa and Festus, who's a Roman governor, and he was talking to them. He reached the point in his testimony. He was calling them to faith. He said, listen, let me tell you about the resurrection. And Festus couldn't control himself. He said, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. So people will say there's no such thing as a revelation. They'll mock you because of it. They'll think, they, they will think you are crazy believing in this thing that we call the resurrection. Consider the perspective of the disciples on the first resurrection Sunday. So now, now we're going to go to the past and consider these, this text of Scripture. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. Imagine how these women felt. They had just had a supernatural experience. They encountered angels. They did what they were told to do. Eventually, they got there. They told them, and they were, no. They told them, they, didn't, they were not believed. This might happen in your life as you are bold in your willingness to live out the gospel and share the gospel. People will not believe you. These, but these, we're talking disciples here, the people that walked with Jesus and, and heard him say, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. I'll rise again. Can I sit at your right hand? Can I sit at your left hand? They were all confused about what was going on, but they did not believe. Consider the, the, another out of Luke, the same, the same uh, occurrence. It says that the, the words of the women, it says their words seemed to them like idle tales. And they did not believe them. Consider Thomas. John 20, 25. Uh, the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. Now their, their faith is real because they've had sight. And so he, Thomas, I added that in there, said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into the side, I will not believe. Unbelief is a big issue in the world today. I would hazard a guess there are more unbelievers in Jesus Christ than there are believers in Jesus Christ. I pray that I'm wrong. But if the church is going to be doing what the church is called to do, more people will come to faith in Jesus Christ every day and every day and every day. Because there will never be a time where the church is not called to speak forth and live out the gospel. Consider Jesus' perspective. What, what possible perspective could Jesus have on the resurrection? Well, I think this is pretty powerful. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. I am this, this future hope that all believers have today. This is Jesus speaking to Martha. At the, she's grieving over the death of her brother Lazarus. And, and Jesus comes on the scene and he says, listen, his, he had already said to his disciples, this sickness is not unto death. But Lazarus died. But it wasn't unto death because Jesus resurrected Lazarus, demonstrating that he had the power of life in himself. 
Jesus said to her before Lazarus was resurrected, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. I don't have the verse up there, but then he says, do you believe this, Martha? She goes, I believe you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus' perspective on the resurrection is really the, the perspective we ought to have because it's all about him. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ calls for a response from everybody. If you're already a believer in Jesus Christ, your response ought to be amen to everything that has been said, everything that will be said. It also would would require you to leave this place today and go tell others about Jesus. It's, It's not an option. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, the response that God is calling from you is a response of faith, of belief in his son. So we're going to look at this story of these, uh, these two people on the road to Emmaus. We're not, we're not going to spend a really long time. We're just going to walk through the story. Because here are two people who just had their life turned upside down. And so let's just get into the text. He says, Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened, talking about the death burial uh, of Jesus Christ, right? So it was while they conversed and and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. This is amazing. For those of you that may be uninitiated in the word of God, this is is telling us Jesus showed up. This is the resurrected Jesus. He has already been scourged. He's been betrayed. He's been scourged. He's been crucified. He died. He's been buried. And now he's risen again. And these people, these two people are in for a big shock, right? That Jesus himself drew near. But notice, through supernatural events, their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. It wasn't that Jesus didn't look like Jesus. It's just that they were prevented from knowing that it was Jesus. Supernaturally, that's what it's saying here. And he said to them, Jesus said, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, and I'm really wondering, if he had known who Jesus was, right? If he'd known this was Jesus, I wonder if he would have changed his words. I'm thinking to myself, on a bad day, maybe he would have said some other things. But I almost think he said, are, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have not known the things which happened? I think he'd be one of those things, are, where have you been? You've been living under a rock? What's going on with your life? But thankfully, he didn't say all that right? That was me paraphrasing, right? But he's, he's responding to Jesus. Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Oh my word. Jesus must have been having fun with this. And have you not known the things which happened? Happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? Isn't this wonderful? Jesus draws the story out of them. He's leading them to the point of responding to who he is and what he's done. But he says, what what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who, notice this, was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping, I'm going to pause there just, just... We were hoping. Can you sense the despair? Can you sense the sadness? 
Proverbs 13, 12 says, when hope is deferred, it makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Fabulous passage of scripture. This is one verse, right? Proverbs 13, 12. They were hoping, but their hope and their perspective had been put off and they were sad. Their heart was troubled. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Apparently he's not. Read between the lines. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things have happened. Mm, That's interesting that they mentioned that. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. So they were there when the ladies arrived. They heard what the ladies said. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. They don't add there, but we didn't believe them. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But notice this. But him they did not see. They were characterized by unbelief. And Jesus is hearing this story. He's understand, understood their perspective. And he says, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe. In all that the prophets have spoken, Jesus is saying, listen, I'm pointing you to the Word of God. The faith that you are called, the words of God are faithful and true. They are reliable. You can take confidence in them. They tell of me. And that's what he says. He says, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? They had slow hearts to believe. And they they should have somehow understood, well, maybe because Jesus had told them, they should have understood that suffering was necessary before Jesus entered into his glory. Now, there's all discussion about what this means, but as we consider the resurrection of God, we consider the, the idea of the glory of God seen through the resurrection, what we're encountering is the resurrection, excuse me, the glory of Jesus Christ. He has... He has more glory at this point, but his ultimate glory when he ascends back into the Father and and experiences the the glory he had with the Father prior to creation. And certainly when he returns, he will be coming in the fullness of his glory. It says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Notice this. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. Their sight, was, their vision, their understanding was supernaturally restrained and then supernaturally opened. Their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. And they said one to another, uh, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Notice again, the focus on the scripture. So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 and those who were with him uh, who are with them gathered together. So they come back. What, wouldn't, I think we would do the same thing, but notice the response. They understood this resurrection thing is real. Our hope is not deferred. Our hope is realized. Uh, when the hope is realized, it's a tree of life. They have joy. They have excitement. They hasten back 
to this group to share the good news. And they said, the Lord, when they got there, the people are telling him, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened to the road, the, the people, the two on the road to Amazus. They told what happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Fabulous passage of scripture, folks. But I just wanted to focus on it for a few minutes to just encourage you that their story is more than likely your story if you've come to faith. And their story will be your story if you will respond in faith to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They came to Jesus not understanding exactly who he was, but then they came to understand who he, who he is. And they responded in faith and proclamation. So last thing I just want to share, and then we'll be, uh, we'll be done, is the idea of proper response to Jesus' resurrection. It guarantees our future resurrection. Remember that scene out of Revelation and all that's going on there. There's other parts of Scripture that, that speak of this uh, grieving as those that don't have hope, right? We're not supposed to grieve like that. We have this hope. There's this resurrection. Our mortal will put on immortality. Our perishable, perishable will become imperishable. So a proper response to Jesus' resurrection guarantees our future resurrection. Notice out of Romans 6, 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, and the understanding is we have as believers of Jesus Christ. As we get baptized, and it's a picture of our union with Christ on the cross, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, it pictures the reality of our future. For if we have been united together in likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. He says in, in Romans 8, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and He does, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. We are promised a resurrection. We are created in the image of God. That image was marred by the presence of sin. Jesus Christ came to redeem sinners. And ultimately, we will experience the fullness of, of God's intent of us bearing His image when we're in His presence. We also will experience a physical resurrection unto life, but only for those who come to faith in Jesus Christ. So we're going to sing here in just a moment. We're going to sing about a, a living hope, our living hope. And so the, 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 the invitation, as I said earlier, is simply this, Respond. Respond in the singing of this, this hymn that we're going to sing in just a moment. You're going to stand, and I want you to sing with confidence. I want you to understand who you are in Christ as the words come across that screen. I want you to purpose for yourself that as you sing, you will leave this place, and, and you will be characterized by living out this gospel, which will entail helping others understand who Jesus Christ is too and sharing the gospel with them. Sing. But if you're here this morning, if you're watching us online, if you're watching us three years from now, respond by faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. God is not sitting up in heaven just waiting to slam the gavel down on you because of your sins. He has sent his son into the world out of his great love for you. And he's, and he's saying, if you will come to faith in my son, I will place all your sin and filth and wickedness, 
on the cross, uh, on Jesus while he died on the cross. All sin of all time was placed on there. But if you come to faith in him, I'll take all his righteousness and I will give it to your account. And when I look upon you, I will no longer see, the, see that, that slave-bound sinner. I will see the righteousness that belongs to my son and only my son, Jesus Christ. And all those who come to faith in him become the righteousness of God. And all that we've shared will be true of you. Would you respond in faith today? Simply confessing your sins to a loving God who sent his son to pay for your sins. And then sing out with us if you'll do that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning and for the opportunity to focus on the simple lives of two people on a road. They had no idea what was transpiring until it was revealed to them what was going on. It's much like our lives as we went through our life prior to our coming to faith in Jesus Christ. We're going through our day just like any other day until one day, one morning, became different from every other day and every other morning. And we came to an understanding of our sinfulness before you. Father, I pray that you would call people to yourself. I pray that for those who have never come to faith in Jesus Christ, you would remove the blinders that they might see their sin and come to faith in the one and only Son of God who is the Savior, Jesus Christ. May you be glorified in the response of those who come to faith. May you be glorified in the response of those who have declared faith And Lord, as they commit to live out their faith in the world that is in need of salvation. Father, may you be glorified by the response of your people, both here in the moment, as well as in the coming days, weeks, years of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.